Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Abner, and today I get to chat with Lorenz Seberini, a 2016 breakout instructor, award winner on Udemy, and someone who is dominating in a very specific niche. Let's hear how he got started and why he's been so successful coming right up. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. The one thing you can do for me is leave a review for the show, which helps us expand to an even larger audience. Thanks, and let's get straight to the interview. Hi, Lawrence. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, and you've had a lot of initial success on Udemy, and I'm just excited to have you here sharing it with our audience. Welcome. Thank you, Phil. It's great to be here. Yeah. So for people who don't know you, can you just tell us a little bit more about your background and what you were doing before creating your first online courses? Sure. I come from South Africa. And before I started creating the courses, I had my own business where I do mobile apps and mobile advertising. And in fact, I still do that, but the courses are sort of going into more and more of my time. Yeah, I know. I know how that is. <laughs> they become <laughs> yeah, kind of not, t- time consuming. <laughs> it's not it's not passive income for anyone listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because that, you know, you're not no longer trading your hours for dollars. You're not sitting at a job and getting the same paycheck week in and week out. But it's a lot of work and a lot of work up front, too. So what uh, your all of your classes on Udemy right now are on drone videography uh, using the DJI DJI system. So how did you get into doing that before? Were you doing videography and photography, aerial videography and photography before teaching your courses? Yes, I've been doing it for for close to four years now. And in 2015, I'd taken a break from drones because in the early days, they were more fiddling than flying. They would break easily. You'd spend hours with a soldering iron and I'm not that way inclined. I prefer being up in the sky, getting great footage. And I'm also very visual. So I like the fact that you can shoot amazing stuff with drones. So in 2015, I got hold of the Phantom 3, which was the latest one at that time. And I was looking at ways to do stuff that's interesting. And there was a guy who left DJI a guy by the name of Colin, and he joined a company called 3D Robotics. And they came out with a smart drone that could do sort of pre-programmed moves that were like mind-blowing. I mean, this was, at the time, if you wanted to do anything basically cinematic, you had to have two people, one flying the drone and the other one controlling the camera. To do it on your own, you would occasionally get good results, but a lot of the time you would get bad results. Right. And I did a bit of research, and DJI announced that they created a third-party app scenario like Apple and they encourage third parties to develop apps. So I started looking at the apps and I came across one called Lychee, which sounds like a fruit. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and when I looked at it, it was very, very off-putting. It was cumbersome. The learning curve was huge. They, there was a big manual and it was just like learning to program. But in the end, I persisted and I really like took my time and I figured it out. And then I went on holiday and I took the most amazing, amazing footage. And I was like so blown away that I figured, wow, why don't I create a course on this? I mean, it's just amazing. There's nothing like this. Mm -hmm. And that was the inspiration. Inspiration was just to share 
sort of my wild success, you know, to go out and say, hey, this is how you do it. That, that's, that's a great way to start. Did you know about Udemy before this or were you aware of other online learning platforms? How did you, you know, like for a lot of people starting out, maybe they were students on Udemy before. You right. said you were creating apps before, so you kind of knew a little bit about online business and growing a business, but um, how did you just get started putting it on Udemy? Sure. Um, on one of the Facebook groups for Phantom, there was an ex-South African guy who had created, uh, I saw a poster one day where he said, earn money from your footage, you know, learn how. Mm-hmm. So I followed it through and he created an online course on how to create stock footage and make money. And I took the course and I was quite fascinated by this experience of taking a course. It wasn't on Udemy though. I think it, I think he used Teachable. Okay. And that sort of sat in the back of my mind. And then when, it, when eventually I decided to do it myself, I did some research and Udemy came out as sort of the best platform if you don't have an audience, if you want to get access to a marketplace. Right. And I gave it a bash. Did you, were you worried because I don't, I don't know how many other aerial videography courses there are, were there, did you do any research to see if there were other courses on your topic before creating yours? Yes. I mean, there were a couple and what was encouraging is that the course that was the most popular had a few thousand students, you know, and, you know, he was also charging quite a lot back then before Udemy changed the pricing. Right. So I looked at it and I did the numbers and I thought, well, if I can just do one tenth of what he's done, that's great. I mean, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. So you mentioned you you chose Udemy because it's a great place to start without an audience. What did you do? Do you remember like your first sale and was it organic on the platform or did you do any sort of marketing yourself of your first course? Okay. So... The big thing for me that made all the difference, uh, I came in with a bit of help. The course was based on a third-party app, and I contacted the app creators, and I said, look, I'm going to create a course for your app. Would you send me some traffic? And they said, sure. I mean, if you're going to do that, and it's going to help our users learn how to use our app, we'll do that. And that's where I got my initial traffic from. And then from there, I think because I started getting customers and ratings and so on then i think the organic started picking up but it wasn't a case of just this organic takeoff i wasn't uh, you know in in that position i think that's a much harder position to be in if you if you don't have access to traffic got it got it that's something i heard from another person i interviewed on the podcast peggy dean she teaches calligraphy and she was using a specific type of calligraphy tool or pen and it was the same thing. She reached out to the company that makes those t- pens and they were able to promote her first course or help drive a little bit of traffic to her course. So I think that's a really good idea for people listening. If you're teaching an app, you're teaching a tool or teaching really anything where you're using someone else's product or service, maybe reach out to them. And if it's not a huge company like Adobe or one of these other big major companies, they might want to actually send some traffic like you said you're helping their users learn how to use their app better so why not if they don't have the content themselves already then it's kind of a win-win situation so that's a really good idea and in in addition to that sorry i went to facebook and i went to the facebook groups for that particular drone which is the phantom which is it's kind of like the canon or the nikon of cameras i mean it's massive right (laughs) and 
on the one group, I just sort of posted a thing saying, hey, I've got here some free coupons and they banned me. That was a mistake. <laughs> and after having <laughs> after having learned my lesson, I then approached the mod of the other group and I said, hey, I can give some free coupons to your group. You know, would you be interested? He was like, no problem. So I put like maybe 20 free coupons up and that also got me a bit of exposure. The problem with um, reaching out to different groups is you get some people who get it for free and they're your pickiest, most critical customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's individuals who are really looking and they're wanting to learn and they're taking their time and, you know, so yeah, I mean, that's also a caution because your reviews can sink you or make you and you've got to be so careful about your reviews. Yeah, that's really important because for a while, the name of the game was let's just give out as many free coupons as possible because back then on Udemy, when someone searches for a course, they would actually see the total amount of students on the search results page, which looked amazing if you could get three, four, five thousand 5,000 students that were all free because people who are searching for those courses might not really realize that those people didn't actually buy the course. But I've had the same experience that people who actually purchase the course are more invested in the course. And even though they're more invested, I don't know, it just makes them less critical or something. They go through the course more. They don't just like take the first lesson. And if it's not what they want exactly, then they leave a bad review. Um, so it's, it's hard because you have to get reviews to have some sort of social proof and reviews are one of the best ranking mechanisms on Udemy. So you need reviews to rank your course. Uh, but if you're just starting out, it's, it's hard to get those reviews without giving away any free coupons. So it's kind of a tricky balance. It's very difficult. And what's interesting is that different countries or different nationalities also have different idiosyncrasies. Mm. And I found, you know, say, for example, European customers to be different to American customers. How so? And, That's interesting. Well, I don't know if you've noticed the same thing. Like French, French people are quite perfectionistic. Okay. They, they, they're perfectionists. And if you do something that... They think there's a better method. They'll have no qualm telling you. Yeah. Um, but that's also a good thing because, you know, it forces you to sort of raise your game and really pay attention. Whereas yeah. I think the Americans and the Canadians are quite easygoing. Yeah. Um, and so you that. have to get used to, yeah. And then, and then you get, you get other people who don't understand you because you, you know, you're speaking in English and they're not sure about, they can't follow you. So they give you a bad rating because your, your course, which is advertised as an English course, for example, doesn't support Spanish. <laughs> right. I've, I've been getting a lot of those requests in my course. Like, can you just add the subtitles in whatever language? And I'm like, well, it's not as easy as that. And I'm sorry, but I would love to, but I just don't have that right now. <laughs> so. It's quite an investment. I actually tried the subtitles out on my one course and I got one positive feedback saying, wow, it's great, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, as you update your content, you have to update your subtitles and which language do you go with. And it's it's quite a mission. It's quite an investment. It sure is. I'm hoping that Udemy is coming out with some sort of tool that it's not going to be perfect, but like YouTube, where YouTube automatically captions all of the videos. Because how cool would that be if Udemy had some sort of basic captions for all the courses and then they could just translate it to whatever language. It's not going to be perfect. The translations aren't going to be perfect. But the technology is getting better and better. So that's what I'm hoping because this Udemy is expanding to international countries all over the world. Uh, There's so many more people 
who potentially could find our courses on Udemy in the future. So well, it's full. I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but they actually are doing that. I'm not sure if I'm on a beta or if oh. you know, they just try. But I went on uh, a couple of weeks back just to up- upload some content. And I noticed it because it, I've got Spanish captions on the one course. And I noticed it put in captions, um, English. It decided to do English for English, right? Huh. So, so I played it with the captions on. But the translation mistakes were so fundamentally wrong on occasion that it would make me look stupid because the audience would assume that I can't speak my, you know, I can't write English. (laughs) So I actually disabled them. But if Udemy gave us the ability to edit them on the fly, like easily, then that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, that's probably something they're working on. So time will tell. So you started with your course. Now you've got a few courses and let's kind of fast forward to where you are today. You actually were named one of Udemy's 2016 breakout instructors what has online teaching done and um, in terms of your lifestyle and creating online courses, where are you today compared to when you just started out? Well, I'm definitely having a lot of fun and I'm making a lot of connections because I really get involved with the students. Like I often have Skype calls or emails or I, I, one of the things I did is I set up a Facebook group and the group has grown and I almost feel like the people, the regulars are, are sort of friends. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I'm actually collaborating with one of the students who's really smart on a new course together where he's, where, where we're co-creating the content. Nice. So, yeah. So, I mean, something like that is really interesting and people come to me with ideas and so on. So where am I? I'm spending a lot of time and I'm trying not to interfere with my day job. So I'm getting up early to work on the content and mm. I'm not sure in like with you, you very much Adobe products, right? Lightroom and premiere and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how often they create updates that really change things, but for example, DJI come out with drones as fast as Apple comes out with iPhones. <laughs> right. And every time they come out with a new drone, it really forces me to update and change because people are asking, what about this? What about that? So it's, it's constant. And then also the app that it's based on keeps updating. And then the other apps that are coming along. So there's a lot of moving targets that are in front of me the whole time that I have to keep chasing. And it's also sometimes just a case of putting my head down and going back to the basics, which is just focus on making the content good and relevant. Yeah. yeah, that's that's tough. I know with my Adobe products, the you know, there's they do release new updates every so often, every year or so there's a batch of updates and there's new tools and new th- effects or things you can use with all these programs, but in general the process has been the same. But that being said, I did I am doing major updates for a lot of my Adobe courses like my video editing and Premiere Pro course. I recently redid that and it was just a good chance for me to make a better course than my first one too. So it kind of forces me to get better. For your courses are you know, it's it's great that it well, it's good and bad. It keeps you busy, but it's also an opportunity to create a brand new course. Are you um, planning to, and I can kind of tell from the way that you have your courses laid out, do you launch a brand new course with each update or are you updating your current courses with content based off of the updates that DJI does? Well, it's a good balancing act. So I've created three courses plus a fourth one. Um, And I say three plus a fourth because the first three are like, you know, like part one, part two, part three, and then the fourth is kind of, a different take mm-hmm. and 
it's a balance because if I create too many courses, people are going to be like, hey, you know, you know, what's going on? And if I keep updating and not creating courses, then I'm also not doing myself any favor. I think my audience like the fact that I do quite a lot of updating to courses that they've bought. But I'm not sort of creating new content. I'm just updating the existing stuff, maybe with new approaches or new ideas. Yeah. Um, in terms of creating new courses, there, there's quite a lot that that I can think about and that people have requested, but finding the time and just keeping things up to date. So I almost feel like I need to put a team together and I'm under the impression that you work with a few people, right? I have some people that I work with for co-creating a lot of my courses. Um, I'm, I'm also currently looking for more of building a team to help me edit and to outsource a lot of the work that I do myself. Cause it, right now yeah. it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I'm lucky that I don't have another job that I spend 40 hours a week at, uh, but it's still, you know, there's still endless amounts of work that I could be doing. And if I had an extra 20 or 30 hours a week that I spend editing videos now, I could do lots of things like improving my other, my right. older courses. Yes. So. Yes. So, um, is there anything about your courses that, why do you think people, have liked your courses so much and why do you think you've had so much initial success uh and the fact that udemy did name you a 2016 breakout instructors is really exciting uh is there anything about your courses that uh, you think um you know made that happen it's a good question um i suppose in in my field which is drones and aerial it's there's quite a lot there's quite a big learning curve and I've packaged it in such a way that I really help people get through that curve quickly. And in a way, a drone is like a Swiss Army knife, almost like a computer. And I'm trying to show them, well, these are the various applications and things you can do. And people appreciate the fact that all that information is in one place and that, you know, it's presented in a way that's easy to follow. Mm-hmm. But in terms of getting the breakout instructor, I've got no idea how I did that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure what it really means, but I saw there were about five or six of us, right, on the email. Yeah, there, there's a group. They've done it for the past uh, few years. They've just picked instructors that have had a lot of success and based off of, I think, a lot of student reviews. And I mean, wh- when actually did you st- create your first course? Uh, January 2016, it went live. Wow. January the 11th, I think. That is amazing because you have your four paid courses and you have a free course and I'll include links to all, all your courses for people listening on the, the blog article for this podcast. But you've got, you know, over 3000 reviews in your courses, which is just amazing for for just getting started. Uh, it took me a lot longer to kind of figure out how to, <laughs> how to do this. So... Whatever you're doing, you're doing it right. It seems like people are liking your <laughs> courses. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. So I was wondering about your courses. You obviously teach drone videography. And so you know a bit about video production. What equipment are you using to create your courses? Well, I'm using an app called Screencast-O-Matic. And in the process of doing this, I came across Camtasia. Mm-hmm. And I've weighed them up. I looked at Camtasia, and uh, and I've been using Screencast-O-Matic the whole way through. 
And I found that I needed a tool that allowed me to create the content quickly and give me good results, not necessarily like results that are like amazingly slick because I believe that the content and what you're teaching is is critical, not necessarily the slickness. So Screencast-O-Matic allows me to sort of focus in, zoom in, put arrows, transitions really quickly to, to you know, to get the content out fast mm-hmm. um, and, and, and make it sort of audio visual supported. So people appreciate the fact that you can put an outline around a box, you can blur something, you can zoom something in, you can put an arrow. Um, and, and so if I find it personally to be a very affordable, it's $15 a year yep. and very good tool to get good results quickly. Not the best results, but that's not what I'm after. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's good to know because I actually didn't know that with Screencast-O-Matic, you could do those editing features after you record, like adding the annotations or you know the highlighting of a specific part of the screen. Uh, so it does have like a sort of video editor within the application? Absolutely. And in fact, the student that I'm going to be co-creating uh, the next course with he is, he's quite a he's a programmer and he's naturally good at figuring stuff out. So I said to him, he says, "What program are you using to create?" I said, "Screencast-O-Matic." And I said, "Just watch the videos; it's really easy." So then he creates content for me to review, and I'm like, "Hey, how did you do that?" And he says, "But you told me to watch the videos." And I'm like, "Wow, that's amazing!" <laughs> and it's a simple it's a simple tool where basically you can select anything on the page and you can add a, a zoom in effect, God. and it's very powerful. I mean, it, it really is great. And it's it's so simple, but but really impactful. Yeah, sometimes simple is better. And for so for your courses, you're teaching drone videography, are they mostly screencast videos? Like what's actually the content in the course itself? Okay, so there's no FaceTime, you never see me. Uh, but I had to have I have to have that in my promo video for you to me, but I don't you don't see me in the videos. It's basically, um, you will see footage on my phone which i record while the drone is in the air showing you what the app is doing so mm-hmm. for example how to, how to set up a shot so it would be similar it would be analogous to screen recording what's going on a movie camera or a, mm-hmm. a normal camera okay right. so i show every, I, I screen record everything on the camera so i don't have a camera recording on the drone um i have a screen i screen record that in fact i had one on my latest course i had someone filming me flying because i needed to because i was teaching people how to fly mm-hmm. and that that was more complex because i needed to find a, a video person and we needed to arrange a date and it just added more complexity yeah. and my whole goal is, my whole goal is to get good content out quickly versus you know taking too long and being too fancy and um the rest is really just showing you um believe it or not i use google slides a lot and okay, nice. I, I, yeah, and I also figured out how to do animations on Google Slides, which is actually also very impactful and very, very easy to do. So I ended up creating a lot of pages on Google Slides that I can use sort of as a screenshot that I can use in various lessons if it's like a common theme. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's like, for example, like if you need to stop your drone, push this button in an emergency. Now, I need to give that message in, in several different lectures. So instead of re-recording it every time, I've, I've got it set up and I can just bring that in. Nice. That so, is that is really good. That's a good efficiency tip. And that's something that I need to do better um, because a lot of my classes, I find myself repeating myself or while well, repeating lessons that I've taught before. Or even just like, yeah, a single slide. Uh, so that's a really good tip. I like that. Yeah. So it's a, co- it's a combination of Screencast-O-Matic with Google Slides. 
and video footage or screencast footage from my mobile device, which I then bring into Screencast-O-Matic. Got it. I used to do I used to do some editing in Premiere, but I just found the output files were so massive and so unwieldy that it's much easier. You produce lightweight files in Screencast-O-Matic, and it's just as I say, for me, it's about efficiency and speed. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a key. Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to fast track your success, get the free seven step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com. Now let's get back to the show. And are you including like sample footage from your drone shots? Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I have to show people what it is I'm teaching them to create. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, that's really awesome. One thing I just noticed on your courses is that your courses are priced very affordably. Uh, they're 40, 30 or $40. Uh, is that a conscious decision? And have you played around with any other pricing for your courses? Well, you know, I don't know how I actually got to those prices. It's, it's a good question. But it seemed to be that because when... When I, when I was evaluating the marketplace, there was a course for like over $100 at least. Mm-hmm. And I just I was just weighing up what people are paying for the app and trying to get a sense of the drone market. I didn't play too much. However, what I have done is I've created the courses on another platform where you can create bundles. And mm. I've got a $150 bundle, which I promote at a reduced price. But it's still significantly more than buying a single course for, say, $30 or $40. But if you add it all together, it's a, it's a massive discount. Yeah. But it's a, bigger, it's a bigger ticket. So I think bundling is something that, unfortunately, Udemy don't offer. But I think bundling is quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely imagine with your courses in particular, because you do have the part one, part two, part three. Um, is I, w- I have a question about that, too. Was it ever a thought to just put it all in one class or did this kind of come organically? Like you created the first one, then you realized there were some other things you needed to teach more advanced topics. So you created part two or were you from the beginning knowing that, did you know that you were going to create the three parts? No, totally organic because I had no idea that people would be interested until, until they were. And then I had to really sort of think, okay, what else is cool? What other, what other ideas? And I started exploring, I went beyond videography. I went photography. I went 3d modeling um, a whole, you know, the drones can do a range of applications. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've I've tried to cover and have a balance of everything. Got it. And yeah, so it, but it was completely organic. Um, and and the reason I went with one, two, and three was just because I liked the brand Phantom Film School. Yeah, that's and great. <laughs> I just felt it, I, yeah, I just felt it was easier to stick with one, two, three. And then when I came out with the fourth, which is not a film school but a flight school. I thought, what do I go with? Do I go with Phantom or DJI? You know, it was like a whole big thing. And I thought, well, there's a brand. People kind of know it. So let me just call it Phantom Flight School. And yeah. it limits you on one hand because you're sort of pinning your flag to the mast of a particular product. But on the other hand, it's it's familiar and it creates a brand. So it's a tricky one. Yeah, totally. Well, Phantom Film School, it's very catchy. And when someone sees that you have part one, part two, part three, I'm guessing that there are some people who end up buying all three at one time on Udemy. Um, so well, have, is, have you seen that or no? When I when I go and I um, respond to people, uh, I can see what courses they've enrolled in. And there, there are people who've taken all three. Um, but 
I don't have a view on how many have taken all three. I don't think Udemy gives us a tool where we can see. It'd be hard. You'd have to go individually to each student <laughs> and see. Yeah, exactly. Or each course, so, yeah. That, which would be useful if they gave us those metrics because, um, yeah. Have you? Are there any other drones that like would make another course? Like you're doing all the Phantom uh, products, but... Are there any other drones where you'd want to expand to a, a completely different type of drone in a course? Well, DJI have released a, a drone recently called the Mavic, which is a knockout winner. And it's such a knockout winner that mine hasn't even arrived. There's a huge backlog. So I think the, the most logical thing will be to update the content for that course and then possibly look at creating content around that particular drone. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you've got your Canon 5 and your Canon 7, and it's almost like its own series in a way. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and is it different enough where, like, the way you fly it and, like, the remote controls and everything, is, is it different enough that it it would be a good separate class? Uh, or can I still someone, need to see. Or can someone, like, take your original class and still understand how to use it? Do you know yet? Are they different? They definitely can because the app is now available for that particular device. And I've had people who use the Mavic tell me, hey, it's helped them, it's great. So that that gave me a huge sigh of relief because if it didn't work for them, I'd have to go and definitely create it from scratch. Yeah. Um, so we'll just have to see because I don't want to dilute myself either with chasing too many different things. Right. Right, and I think that's what one of your strengths is, is you've picked a, a niche, niche, and you, you're, you know, now you're the phantom guy on Udemy, and I told you before we started recording how funny it is, because Udemy does a lot of marketing of courses that are doing well, and almost every email that I get, and it it just goes to show that I need to buy your course, and but I need a drone first. <laughs> But every single email I get has your courses promoted in them. Uh, so <laughs> you've, well, you know, you, they're targeting me because they know I like video production and photography. So there, there must be uh, a lot of other people getting your, your promos too. <laughs> well, for, I, I think personally you, you will love Ariel. It's just such a fresh, exciting perspective. And what these drones can do is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, I have a friend that has um, one of the Phantoms and we played around with it once and it was super fun. It's just, it, I haven't really dived into it enough. It's a little scary yeah. just with, I don't know, just like anything that could go wrong, but I guess I have to take your course to become comfortable first. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a coupon. <laughs> okay, perfect. Sounds good. Uh, so I was wondering with your students, have you found just from your Facebook group and your interactions, who are these people? Are they just casual learners? Are they people who are wanting to make money with their drone videography, like for real estate videography or something like that? Um, do you know like what kind of level your students are? Yeah, they're generally older males between 40 and 50. And a lot of them are looking as a, as a business opportunity. And there are also quite a few retirees who are just looking to have fun and enjoy something that can really be like a good hobby. Nice. There, I don't have many really young people. I don't have too many females. And the countries, I think, interestingly, Israel came up on Udemy as the second biggest country recently. And I think that's because the military there 
are training their drone pilots on phantoms, which is interesting. I read an huh. article at some point. <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah, so they'll be able to shoot amazing photographs, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the, I, I would say definitely your sort of 40 to 55 segment males who've got a desire to start a business and they're looking to diversify or do something new. Got it. And are you finding this out just from your interactions with students or seeing like the profiles or are you looking at Udemy's analytics for this data? Uh, I did a bit of Facebook. Um, we, we recently created a Facebook demographic. Okay. Um, and it came up with that information. I actually haven't used Udemy Analytics. Maybe maybe I need to look into that. I know. But, I, I've, yeah, yeah, I'm bad at that too. I, don't, I think there are some analytics that show some basic demographic I- information. Um, I don't know if it's as much... If it's, it's probably not as detailed as like age range and... Um, right. Yeah, I got to look into that, though. Um, well, face, Facebook have got an amazing tool where you can upload your database, and they then analyze the email accounts, and they can build a demographic for you based on your customers. Yeah, that's that's powerful, especially if you do want to start advertising. And that brings up a good question. So you, you just mentioned email addresses. How are you, are you building sort of an email list and an audience of your own off of Udemy right now? Yes, I am using another platform, and the reason being is the free course, which I put onto Udemy, uh, the Udemy rules are very prohibitive. You can't market your products to your free course users. Right. Uh, you, can, you can do it only in your bonus lecture, and it's not very effective. So I realized that I needed to have my own capability as well. So, um, And I also think it's good to have one or two platforms just because you know, people look in different places. Yeah, and and it's also good to have your own independence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed you've got subscriptions and your own platform as well, your own website. Yeah, I'm using Teachable for those. Uh, what platform are you using? Thinkific. Oh, Thinkific, cool. And what what what's the website where you're selling courses? Okay. Courses.phantomfilmschool.com, and that's another thing. As a South African, to get a, a decent .com was like absolute luck. Uh, Phantomfilmschool.com was available. I didn't have to (laughs) bid for it or spend a lot of money buying it from someone. So I was very lucky with that because it's, it's global. It's, it's a nice one. Nice. Um, Yeah. This is, so this is where you're bundling your courses and that's it. Perfect. And I, I started with teachable before I even knew about Thinkific. And so I kind of just went down the teachable route. Were you, did you look into teachable or was there a reason why you picked Thinkific? Well, along the way, I actually came across an expert in email and digital marketing, and we were brainstorming how to do stuff, and he had worked on Thinkific, and he just suggested it, and when I looked into it and the features and the price, etc., it was pretty impressive. So, it's funny because Thinkific's got some things that I wish Udemy had and vice versa, because in some cases, Udemy does something really well, and Thinkific does something really well. And I'm sure you've seen the difference between Teachable and Udemy. In some cases, is strengths on either. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I sometimes talk to people at Udemy and they, they ask for my feedback on things. And ultimately, it'd be great if there was just one platform that kind of did everything for us. And, but it's hard because 
the, what we want as instructors is more control. We want to get more access to our student information. And that's what Thinkific or Teachable allows us to do. And I don't know if Udemy is ready or will ever want to kind of give up that control of the student information. Uh, so we're, we're kind of forced to have to use different platforms. Um, but yeah. so you're, you've got your platform uh, at phantomfilmschool.com and then your courses on courses.phantomfilmschool.com. How are you driving traffic to those websites? Well, um, there's a level of organic traffic, but going back to what I said originally about the app and the traffic that they're sending me. So we created a free course and they actually came to me and they said, hey, can you create a free course? You don't have to give everything away, but just give something away. And it was a very tricky decision because as soon as you give something away, you got to give away enough, otherwise you're going to get bad reviews. Mm -hmm. But if you give away too much, then the people paying the paid version of their course are going to go, well, you just get you gave it all away. Why did I pay for it? So that was a very fine balance. It's very difficult to to find that sweet spot. Uh, and that's that's what I call the sample course, kind of like a, a sample of a book, right? Yeah. And that's the course that they're driving traffic to, which is um on on this other platform and that's that's where but i am looking at, at marketing as well um we're just figuring out the audience the demographic and so on and so on your site where you have your free course are you doing anything with those students are you adding them to an email list and promoting your paid courses yes. to them yes yes the free course is also on udemy by the way but for example, in Udemy, you can't use your welcome message to promote another course, right? Right. And I learned that the hard way. Another instructor ratted me out and I got suspended for a month where I couldn't promote my courses. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so silly because it's like so obvious that if someone joins, you should be able to say, hey, thanks for joining. By the way, here's a discount off my next course. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's a quick upsell. Yeah, it's not really spam. Anyway, so... Um, Yes, the answer is Thinkific allows you to integrate into various systems. And with that, we set up an automation sequence and so on. Got it. Is there anything you can share about your automated email sequence that um, has worked and kind of what the sequence of emails is? I think a lot of people who are getting started out would really benefit from, you know, understanding email automations and sequences. And it's kind of scary to get started with it. It was something that took me a long time to get into. Uh, have you found anything that's working well? Well, the truth is I'm not managing it. I've got someone who works with me, who manages it, who's an expert. So I, I feel like I'm focusing on the content and the courses and the students and interacting with them. Um, and maybe if I had more time, I'd probably learn how to manage it because it's quite an intimidating tool. It's almost like programming, I guess, putting it together. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm quite impressed that you're doing it yourself, Phil, because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's impressive. Well, there's so many things that go into it and I'm using ConvertKit to deal with all my email marketing, but it is hard because there's different tagging and sequencing mechanisms where you can... You know, if someone clicks on a particular link in an email, then they get added to this sequence. If they don't, they get taken off a sequence. And there's so much that I haven't done. Uh, I should probably just hire someone to do it properly because uh, my sequences are working, um, but probably not as well as they, they could be. But I think the, the whole 
basic funnel of having a free course, getting someone on your email list, and then ultimately promoting your paid courses is relatively a, a simple funnel to set up. And with tools like Thinkific or Teachable, you, you can do it. Are you finding any, I, I know this is really hard to track. I don't know if you have the bonus lectures set up. Are you finding any conversions from your free course on Udemy to paid courses on Udemy? That's very small. Yeah. It was higher when I had the cross sales, but then I got banned. <laughs> yeah. Now the, the bonus lecture doesn't convert very well. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so also on Udemy, the, a lot of the people coming to the free course are people just browsing Udemy. They're not those serious students. They're not the people who are coming to me from that traffic. So some of the guys, they come to the free course. They're not the right people anyway, and they, they're critical. And some of them convert, but the conversions could be a lot better if Udemy gave us the tools. In fact, I, I think what would be amazing is a, a, a platform where you could create a course and create your your email sequence on that platform without having to do integrations to a third party thing. Yeah. And yeah. drag and drop and something really smart would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, Udemy, they, they could do that. They could have something where just like the automatic messages, you, you're able to send a sequence of messages. Um, but yeah. I think they're, they're worried about people taking advantage of the system and spamming students and having and to I have monitor to give them that. credit. I have to give them credit for, for being strict, but in some ways it's a little bit restrictive. Yeah. And I, I, I noticed on your, when I joined your course, you gave a whole long explanation about please, they, you know, it's an early, early review and you know, like you have to like sort of deal with that, that whole early review problem. Right. 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 And I don't know how much now, like I put in those automatic messages for most of my courses that say, Hey, Udemy is going to be prompting you for a review after just a few lectures. If, <laughs> yeah. you know, please leave a review if you like it. If there's anything I can improve, let me know or just hold off on reviewing. I, I don't know if now students are used to the early prompts and if I should take out those messages or not, um, because I also don't want to feel students to feel like I'm like bugging them about reviews or like trying to sway them a particular way or not. Huh? I think it's not a bad idea because at least you're telling them, you know, what, what's going on. Because some people just will give you three stars or whatever it is because they just don't know enough about the course yet. Yeah. And I find a very important tip is to go out there and swing your reviews. Mm -hmm. make, make, make contact with the bad reviews and see if you can swing those people. And a lot of people have swung. Nice. So are you resp just responding to the reviews on Udemy or are you also trying to follow no. up with messages or what? I don't respond to a bad review on Udemy because you're putting the person in a public sort of conflict. I think it's much better to contact them and just cur in a courteous sort of genuine way say, hey, like, you know, I, I noticed you gave me this and is there any anything that you can give me feedback on so I can improve? Yeah. Not Not be defensive, you know, just be professional. And a lot of the time I did get people come back and say, yeah, this, 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 and this. And then I explain why I did this or that or how I could take on board their commit, you know, and then some of them change their, their score. I mean, I've had threes and twos turn to fives and that's got to be a big part of an online course strategy. Yeah, that's, that is important. I, I think a lot of people just, you know, forget about them or don't feel like they have any control and just don't even try. But I've had a bit of success doing the same thing. But um, 
it's just one of those things where it's like at the end of the day, that's not where I'm spending time, but maybe it should be where I'm spending time because those reviews are so important. And I know that Udemy prom- likes to promote courses that are rated 4.5 or higher. Uh, and right. so definitely trying to get your, your review score over that is, is really important. Um, so that's a, that's a really good tip too. So what, what is your kind of game plan for the next couple of years uh, in terms of online courses or any other businesses? What, what are you envisioning yourself to be doing in the next few years? Well, um, so I'm going to do this collaboration. We'll see where that goes. I'd also like to outsource and bring someone along who can help me update and create new content. And I think I'll stick with the niche, um, although there, there, there are a few angles to this niche, so it, it can be broader than just specifically Phantom Film School. There are a few other options around it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure of, of what, you know, I just want to hold what I've got together. I mean, a big thing for me is I, I look at my reviews, uh, the global score on Udemy regularly. Uh, it's on the dashboard. And sometimes I see that score dropping and it concerns me. And I think, well, I need to get that up. I need to update the content. I need to, you know. So as much as I want to create more courses, I also want to keep the existing courses looking good, like polish them. Right. Uh, but but I think the goal is just to, to keep repeating what I've been doing. And then I guess to go into paid advertising um, through that other platform and see how that does. Because if you can make a return on your paid advertising, well, then I think you've got a business. Then I think you've got something more than just, you know, a course that's doing nicely. I think you can actually grow it. I think you might be able to scale it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I've, I've got, I, I apologize. I don't know the name of it and maybe you do. If you've done research, there is someone that's teaching drone videography, not on Udemy, but on his own platform. And he's making, I think like, at least five figures a month uh, with his courses, it's something crazy. I'll send I'll send it to you afterwards because, and I'll include it in the show notes because it'd be interesting to to look at and just get some inspiration from. He's doing a lot of webinars, I think, but yeah, just in that in that specific niche of drone videography. So cool. Is there any last piece of advice that you can give our listeners who maybe there's there's a lot of listeners who want to get started with online courses and specifically with Udemy want to get started, but are a little weary. So is there any big piece of advice you can give our, our listeners? I'll give a piece of advice that my cousin gave me. He said, you know, don't lose sleep over your competition, just lose sleep over your customer. So create the best possible content as quickly as possible. Find a tool that allows you to move quickly. You don't have to have the slickest animations and stuff. You just have to have acceptably good quality. The audio is very important. Make sure you get a decent microphone. And produce a curriculum that is meaningful. Stay focused. Don't talk about yourself too much and sidetrack. You know, stick to the content. You're trying to teach someone something. So make sure that they can learn something from it. And just stay focused on the customer. Listen to them and adapt. I love it. I love it. That's all really good advice. So where can people... Where's the best place for people to find you online? Uh, phantomfilmschool.com is the main website. Great. And I think there's a contact me. I'm sure there is. Um, and what about that, that face, Facebook group? What do they Oh, uh, yes. They can join the Facebook group, just Phantom Film School Facebook group. Awesome. So Phantom Film School everywhere on Udemy, online, and on Facebook. Perfect. 
Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I know you've helped a lot of people and inspired a lot of people with everything you've given to, to us today. And I look forward to seeing where you go in the future. Thanks, Phil. It's been great uh, chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, there's no better way to learn how to create and sell online courses than heading over to onlinecoursemasters.com and downloading your free seven-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings. It'll just take one extra minute of your time. Thanks, have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next week on the next episode.